just had to get our foot in the door, and so now we're there, and uh, you know, hopefully we can put it all together now. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 59 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Frank Gunning, Kim Gossman, talking about the foot being in the door. Don't close the door. Still open. Hurt your toe doing that. Yeah. Uh, Do a little dancing with your feet. <laughs> he didn't have to pitch yesterday, which is the most important thing. Holy cow. Thank the Lord. Could you imagine, honestly, like we don't have to live in this world, but you know me, I love to drag you into the negativity for half a second. Could you imagine the conversations we'd be, have, we'd be having today if the Jays had to burn him in yesterday's game? Would have been rough, although you could have made the devil's advocate argument that, you know, you're never not going to start Kevin Gossman in game one of a postseason series, but... Yeah, not too disappointed that no. he avoids the Minnesota Twins, a team that he has had tremendous issues with. An ERA north of six, the second highest ERA he's got against any team in Major League Baseball, only better than his ERA against the Cincinnati Reds, who he's faced way fewer times. That being said, he has, it's not like every start is bad. In fact, he has a good start against the Minnesota Twins this season. Although that was the first one. Most recent, not so good against the Minnesota Twins. Um, and he was so, so good in that start against the Mariners last year. So good, in fact, that maybe they should have let him continue mm-hmm. to pitch in the baseball game instead of Tim Meza against Carlos Santana. Yeah, how'd that go? Not so great. No. Well, which brings me to John Schneider, mm-hmm. who we didn't even have a full sample of, of of managerial work from him a season ago, of course, taking over for Charlie Montoyo in and around the All-Star break. And it must be said, Blue Jays went on a tremendous run. How much of that? Spurned by him, you said? Oh, you're not. You're I wondering. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that was a good baseball team that started playing good baseball in and around the time he took over. And clearly, if you hear explicitly the comments that came out of that Blue Jays, clubhouse at the time or you talk to people who know even more that, that was a move that had to be made yes for multiple different reasons so he's fine i i didn't anticipate his in-game managerial acumen being an issue at all mm-hmm. and even at the conclusion of game two where there were some curious bullpen decisions mm-hmm. made i was like oh well that's he'll learn from that and no this is a guy that that knows what he's doing and is is, is going to synthesize the analytics and the eye mm-hmm. test and all. This is a great baseball man. couple of decades in the Blue Jays system. He's a winner. And he's a confident fella. And now as we get a, a bigger sample of regular season mm-hmm. managerial decisions from John Schneider this year, and not all of them great, and so many of them under the microscope because the Blue Jays only play close games because they don't score and they pitch really well. But so what? That's That's life. And not all of them have worked out, and a lot of them have been kind of head scratchers. Got to say, if I'm going down my checklist of things that I'm most worried about, thinking could be an issue going into the postseason, I think the offense is number one and not scoring enough. 1,000%. It might be top five, the manager, honestly. It's right there for criticism, the decisions that have been made. You know, I hear what you're saying, and some people pointed this out of, yeah, there's a lot of decisions to second guess because this team seemingly is incapable of not playing any. It could just could you just blow somebody out one, once in a while? Could you just do that? No, apparently they they can't. So every game is a close one. On the flip side of things, you would think then if you have more opportunity to make these decisions, they would get better and better as the year has gone on. And I don't know that that's been the case. Now, 
Some of the decisions that he gets hammered for for are completely playing the result. You know, sometimes he'll bring in a reliever and it'll make no sense. But there have been other times where he'll bring in a guy who has made sense. You know, I think of Mesa in a in a, in a spot and get or in that Ranger series. And guess what? Mesa got hit in a way that he shouldn't have. And that's not on John Schneider. That's on Mesa. Now, that's just one example. So I think that you have to be careful of not panning every decision that doesn't work out as ah, classic Schneids. But there have been a lot of those. And this is the it is the double edged sword of building a great team or in this case, a really great bullpen is that when you have a lot of options, they become less that's and it. less obvious. No, that's it. It's not a set it and forget no. it, right? Like this is not a team that, hey, that's the... the He's the, like a guy who just got a smoker in one of those apps. He's like, what if I just, what if a little bit? What if a little bit? And we know coaches in cities love working off one another. I pray he didn't talk to Sheldon Keefe, who's like, you, should, you tinker all you the t- time. Just yeah. constantly tweak things every day. Well, it's not even one of those smokers that uses the pellets, no. right? And like you adjust on your phone. <laughs> it's like one of the ones where you got to like actually like, throw like a wood thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, those... A lot of moving pieces on this Blue Jays team. And and generally, you get a team to the postseason. It's mostly like bullpen decisions. Yeah. Go back to last year's Blue Jays team. That offense was so good. And, yeah. well, okay, they were super right-handed. I get it. The right-handed hitters were amazing. That also wasn't the manager's <laughs> fault. Right. No, but 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 that it, the offense was not a yep. problem despite them being super right-handed. There was no... Hey, they were right-handed. If you brought in a right-handed reliever, you weren't, you know, pinch hitting Teoscar Hernandez for a lefty bat one because you didn't have, like you had Kevin Biggio, but you weren't going to bring Kevin Biggio into a baseball. Last year's Biggio, yeah, not the were... rake that he is now. Yeah, there were no decisions to made pinch hitting wise. Generally, there were some obvious pinch running decisions to make. I would say, but I think there's. Less obvious pinch running decisions. There are some severe pinch hitting decisions that didn't need to be made with this team, especially if the Twins go to their one or, or their two lefties, one of their two lefties out of the bullpen late in the baseball game. And then this bullpen, I mean, Trevor Richards for a good portion of the season was somebody who you're like, oh, multiple innings in high leverage. That guy's so good. He has evolved to such a degree that he's obviously not somebody you want in leverage. And I think John Schneider is understanding that considering he did pitch in the baseball game yesterday. It was all the mm-hmm. lower leverage guys and they should be indicative who, who got into yeah. that baseball game, but I'm not sure. And, and, <laughs> and I, I don't know because he has bosses to answer to, and yeah. there's clearly a game plan and there's, there's clearly numbers that he's looking at. We like, know the khakis have a say. I, I I wonder how empowered he feels to make decisions like, hey, who's hot right now? Mm. Who looks good right now? And there's there's a, a point of diminishing returns on that. Yeah, too, how much right? do you like that? It depends. <laughs> and yes, am I playing the results of Kevin Gossman looked really good in game two? How can you take him out of the baseball <laughs> game? Where like, yeah, he could have easily thrown a pitch to Carlos Santana who t- would take Swatted him over it to the-, the moon. Yeah. yeah, but he didn't. Okay, he was not given that opportunity. Um, I, I did think it was curious in the moment, but yeah, how do you balance that? And do you trust this guy to balance it? Is there any balancing? I, I think Kevin Cash would tell you he doesn't balance it. No. What he does is he has the spreadsheet and he has the odds and he plays the odds. And if it doesn't work out, I can live with it because I got this team to the postseason despite the fact they lost maybe the best pitcher in the yep. American League and the best position player. And I'm I'm manager for life here. So yeah, eat it. Yeah, I think that I think there is definitely something to that. And the it is the hardest thing in sports to quantify that 
aspect of it, right? As a manager knowing, knowing his guys, knowing his team, you know, the fact that Schneider, it's obviously, it's not a completely same team, but there are a lot of similar pieces here from last year. And you hope he has a better understanding of how to use them. You know, a guy like Gosman, if it comes down to take him out or go to the pen, you hope he has a better understanding. You hope he has a better relationship than he would have had with Gosman at, at that point in time. And now, you know, the, I think the other thing that will maybe save Schneider from himself, if we're, if we're worried about like, just to put a fine point on it, him going to Richards too early in a game or something like that is that, all we ever hear is that postseason there is no non-high leverage outside of blowouts everything's high leverage and I think that if you see Gosman get in a spot tomorrow where they need to bring in help for him it's not going to be a Richards or something like that they're probably going to go right to Swanson honestly maybe or if it's early enough in the game maybe Hicks is the guy they go to there I think that the urgency of playoff games and the second time around of it all can hopefully help John Schneider from some of those decisions that he has made in, in throughout this season this year. Yeah. And, and the deployment is different as far as um, when you use your high leverage relievers, you're right. Like the, the, the circle of trust is it's Swanson, it's Hicks, it's Romano. And it's also, I mean, considering that, that you've, you've added to that part of your team, the mm-hmm. bullpen, whether it's Swanson via trade, before the season, whether it's Hicks via trade during the season, shopping at the very top of the relief market, it's mm-hmm. Jordan Romano carrying over, that you are, maybe you're not quite the 2016 Cleveland Guardians team, the Cleveland team that, like, they had no starters. They, they had one, they had Corey Kluber, and then they had, like, I don't know, some guys, and Ryan Merritt started a clinching game Shaking for them. In the boots. Yeah, and it, but it didn't matter because the, the relievers that they could throw at you and that they could throw at you for multiple well, that, innings. Uh, Andrew uh, Andrew Miller, during that little run there, right. he did it for Cleveland, he did it for the Red Sox. Like, he was just, he was a beast. And I just think that that is the thing that I'm curious to see how much they unlock. And you've seen it with Hicks going for more than two. You've seen it with Romano, not that they want to go there. And that's the element I'm also curious about is how much leash do those guys have, not in terms of in and outing, but to go out for a second spot yeah. if needed there. Yeah, that's it, right? Like if, if Gossman is all over the place, and I, I mentioned the stats in his two games against the Twins this season. One of them, he only gave up one earned run. One of them, he gave up uh, six earned runs. But that in both of those outings, he was all over the place as far as walks are concerned. And clearly, like, the the idea that the Twins are laying off the splitter is either weighing on his mind or it's it's playing itself out in these starts. And if if he's got a lot of traffic on the base pass and it looks like he doesn't have it, are you thinking about, yeah, six outs for a multitude of different le- re- relievers. Are you thinking about, hey, six outs each from Jordan Hicks and Jordan Romano? Is that out of the 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 question? Now, you also, despite the fact that it is like you've got to live in the moment when mm-hmm. we're in the postseason here, you have a guaranteed at least two games. And man, if you throw either one of those guys for like 35 pitches in one game to have them come back and, and pitch in high leverage the next day might, might have a, an impact of diminishing returns. But we've seen this... In the last decade, there's been teams that have been built on, yeah, they got some good starting pitching, if not great, but the strength lies, and even go back to the Mm -hmm. 2015 Kansas City Royals, the strength lies in getting those guys out as quick as you can and getting to the best part of your team, which is the high leverage bullpen. So I'm just thinking about this because they piggybacked them together. No, it wasn't a piggyback. Gosman was great, and then they brought in Swanson to to shut it down, but 
because the splitter, it's the same and it's not the same pitch, but it's a similar profile. If it's yeah. working against the team, throw more of it at them. Does that change your opinion of how valuable Swanson is in this series? Now, obviously as a reliever, yeah. there'd be way less of a sample size, but mm-hmm. if they prove the ability to stick to that game plan against Gosman now, easier to do that throughout the course of a start as opposed to in a higher leverage spot where you would imagine Swanson comes in, but not that he wouldn't have been third among those three on your super tight circle of trust there, but does it, does it bump him not outside of it, but like on the periphery Uh, depending on how tomorrow looks? Well, but then I think of like, who's the fourth guy in that circle (laughs) of trust and that's hey, hey, hey. Jimmy Garcia's had moments where he's looked okay. And Yenesis Cabrera, certainly when he arrived here, from St. Louis was impressive, but it does start to not go downhill, but you feel certainly less confident in a close baseball game with Jimmy Garcia on the mound than you do with Eric Swanson. You play this out perfectly, like the way John Schneider's like going to go to bed tonight dreaming about it playing out is just Kevin Gossman's so good and gets you so deep into this baseball game and you score so many runs. Yeah that you save all your yeah, Jordan course. Hicks, Jordan Romano arms for game two in the series where you've got maybe, and I, I think this is probably the betting favorite, Jose Barrios against his former team, which is going to be a nice little narrative too. Uh, yes, uh, just quickly on the Swanson thing, in uh, three and a third innings pitched uh, against the Twins this year, he has given up no hits, two walks, and seven strikeouts uh, with good. a uh, nice little ERA of a zero. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know that that's uh, necessarily going to play, but it's definitely something to think about. And honestly, it's uh, it's worth bringing up with Siddle when we talk to him in about 20 minutes here. Yeah. I also want to ask him about the the mentality of this Blue Jays team playing on the road exclusively in this wild card round because it's best two out of three. All three potential games will be in Minnesota. The Blue Jays had all three potential games against the Mariners at home last season. It only took two because they lost. Um This is a Blue Jays team that did enough to get into the postseason, but we've seen the fan base at times not exactly wrap their arms around this baseball team. You booed off the field is a term that I saw. A couple of times. And it is the postseason, and I I do think, like, booing your own team doesn't really happen in the postseason or, like... The, That'd be the, pretty bad. The the weird vibes that fans have maybe doesn't translate during the postseason, but I will say, the, if if the Blue Jays were playing these games at home again, like the mm-hmm. same teams, Twins are coming to Rogers yep. Center for these three games because I get what I want and I I get a reseeding despite the fact they won the stupid division. <laughs> Blue Jays have a better record, so they they get the home games against them. And the Blue Jays are like Kevin Gossman's pitching well, but here's the the Blue Jays against Pablo Lopez, which may still happen tomorrow because he's really good. Are like fourth inning, they have like two hits mm-hmm. and they haven't scored a run. You would start to feel that the in murmurs, the yeah. crowd. The way it plays out now, they go on the road. The same thing might happen, but it seems pretty clear to me in the sample that we have of this team playing at home with both their record and their offensive statistics at home that there might be something at play here as far as these players not feeling the most uh, amount of comfort. And and maybe that's vibes, but that on the road, that doesn't exist. The only time they're going to play home games during this postseason means that they've already accomplished something. And at that point, you've you've established emotional equity in the fan base. Yeah, and it'd be accomplishing something that this era of Jays has not done. And no, not just winning a game, but actually winning uh, a round. I think that the, and again, I brought this point up a lot, but it does come up a lot at this time of year in baseball. It is not. It's not football, it's not hockey, it's not even basketball in terms of a raw, raw sport. Yes, of course you love a 
home crowd, if it can make another player nervous or whatever, but you don't necessarily want yourself super amped up. I mean, maybe for a Jordan Romano or a Jordan Hicks, that helps them. But over the course of a game, you want to try to stay within yourself. And then you just pointed out the sample size we've seen. It has not been a Jays team. The biggest issue for this Jays team all year long has been production. They've struggled to do it more at home than they have on the road. So it's right there. I don't think Kevin Gosman forgets how to pitch when he leaves Rogers Center. So I think that one of those things can travel. One of them only can travel and can't come home. So why wouldn't you want it want it on the road? I know people would want to have the moment and you feel you can sleep in your own bed and there's familiarity and there's comfort and there's all of that. But baseball players are so familiar and so comfortable not in their own bed because that's the life they lead. These aren't, you know, I think sometimes when we think of teams going on the road, you think of it more like a hockey team or a basketball team where, oh, they got to go in and it's, their routine's all thrown off. This is what baseball players do. They go into a city for three days, they set up shop in a hotel room, and then they get out of Dodge. It is completely normal, completely, you know, normal business for this Jays team. I don't know how this series is going to play out. Uh, I don't know if the Blue Jays are going to win tomorrow, but here's what I know, Brent. I know that this team doesn't perform that well at home. Mm -hmm. I know that this team did not perform very well against the American League East, despite the fact that they split the six games most recently against the Tampa Bay Rays. And I know they don't operate all that well when they're expected to win, Mm. when they're favorites, when they have the, the pressure of expectation. So now you've eliminated all of those things. You're on the road, you're not playing the American League East, and you're the underdog. Just quite factually, whether yep. whether smart people believe you're going right. to win this series or not, those seem like three pretty good factors in your favor if you're if you're judging over yep. the sample of 162 games. Yeah, it it is. And the you know, I think the the other thing you would have liked to have seen is kind of the offense really really hitting its stride. I think we need to kind of give up on that. Hey, they vision. scored a bunch of runs yesterday. Yeah. How dare you? They yeah. scored eight yesterday, in a 12-8 uh, loss, yeah. which we yeah. haven't talked about at all. Uh, or Wes Parsons, thanks for yeah. your service. Hey, Cam Eden, they let you hold the bat. That was nice of them. <laughs> uh, like, you cannot read any anything into, into yesterday's game. We all know what the wins are going to look like for this team, and that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a day where the bats get hot and they go put up some bunch of crooked numbers. That can happen. But the vast majority of wins that this Blue Jays team is going to get this postseason, hey, maybe it's zero. Maybe it's eight. Who knows how many it's going to be. It's going to come from whoever the starter is shoving, and then you're going to be able to scratch across a couple of runs, and your pen's going to lock it down. That's how it looks for a lot of teams, but you're really, really going to need it to look this way. So you just got to get prepared, get comfortable. And again, I know everyone wants the experience of the home game. It would be a tight, nervous, nervous, you know, not three hours because I guess baseball games don't last that long, although mm-hmm. we'll see with the playoffs if uh, if things... Pitch clock isn't going to change, though, so no, I, you're I, right. don't, I don't see why it you're would right. change. You're right. Yeah, so we'll have quicker games, and yeah, I just think that everything from outside of a fan wanting to sit there and, hey, I want to see it, I want to be in the building, everything bodes better for, better for the Jays with them being on the road. Yeah, so I think you're 100% right. The expectation that, hey... This Blue Jays offense is just going to show up at this point in the season. Probably unreasonable. Very unreasonable. I expect that. That being said, there is a, there is a, of like course. a small part of me that's like, you know what? Like maybe maybe the pre- maybe there is a, like a pressure valve that has been opened because they made the playoffs. Because these guys, rightly, because every fan of this team felt the same way, thought the, the disaster scenario 
was possible of of missing the playoffs entirely mm-hmm. and not just not winning the division but finishing third in it and finishing on the outside of the postseason looking in going into a season in which you're going to lose so many notable free agents mm-hmm. including Matt Chapman I mean performance aside like that's a notable guy and there's no obvious replacement at third base Kevin Kiermaier mm-hmm. you're going to lose him and Hunjin Ryu who you I never realized was going to be as much of a factor what this a season. What a fun story that was. <laughs> as he was this year. Jordan Hicks as well, a pending free agent, that there's so much just like on a factual basis that's up in the air. If this team had missed the playoffs this year, yeah, there's a reason why we were talking about Ross Atkins, John Schneider, mm-hmm. you know, and their their job security being an issue going into this postseason because it felt like there was so much on the line this year. Now, it, it at a very at a very base minimum, they've at least gotten into the postseason. Is there not a part of that that trickles down to the players who realize, okay, and they they're able to take a deep breath and, all right, we did it. We didn't. We didn't. It wasn't one of the most disappointing seasons in franchise history, which I literally had conversations. Yeah. It's it's not true. Like 2013 was, was clearly say, there's a book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, so that's behind us. We're not talking about that anymore. And yes, there is still like there's degrees of disappointment and not winning a game mm-hmm. even in the wild card yep. round would be a, dis- a degree of disappointment, but not nearly as disappointing as missing the playoffs entirely. So we did it and we celebrated with the champagne so celebration. If I wanted to believe in that, if or not even wanted, if I could talk myself into believing in that, it would be a team that was so wrapped up in their plan that they could never swing free and swing easy. It's been the opposite with this team. All we talk about all year is like, man, these guys are just home and cool and they're just kicking back and swinging at whatever they want. I think that's the part of it that makes it hard for me to believe in that. But you're right. Like the idea, it's a very, it's a very real thing. I'm sure we've all experienced it in life of like, ah, the pressure's off and now I can finally perform or the pressure is off and I can actually just take a deep breath and go about my business the way I'm supposed to. But I think that the specific problems that this Blue Jays and not team, but often specifically has shown us this year has been a lack of a plan and going out of your way to try to force something to happen. And those all feel like things that, I don't know, maybe it's like you need more pressure on you, not not less. And uh, clearly this team's had a lot of pressure and that hasn't worked. So I don't know what the fix is. Well, and there are guys that have been in pretty pressurized situations and perform. Like mm-hmm. George Springer, like, is there anything more pressurized than a seventh game of the World Series? Like, oh, I don't I, think so. I guess that's well, pretty... Well, if we had Frank Cervelli on, he would tell us, like, <laughs> war or a fire or something. <laughs> like, you know, real-life stuff. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, just a baseball player. Uh, no, it's... it's but, a, yeah, it's, agreed. Very pressure-packed, yes. No, um, I think uh, George Springer has acquitted himself quite nicely. What about Bells? Those- yeah, he's done some good things and winning a couple of World Series. Both those guys knows know what it uh, what it feels like to be in the most pressurized situation. This sport, you're right. This sport and sports in general has Thank to you. offer. Thank so, you. So yeah, maybe maybe I get too hung up on on pressure, but I just look at the way this team has performed all season long, especially offensively and especially at home, and I'm like, I'm I. Outside of the humidor thing, like I, I that's the the best I can come up with is that I, the, the expectations have been too high for this team. I loathe when people don't want to talk about that aspect of it. This is such a thing, and you know, where I like I'm such a big golf guy. It's like there are some people, an analyst will be like, Oh, well, you know, I wonder why he missed that putt. It's because he's thinking about the millions of dollars he's gonna make not? or not. That's why. Pressure matters. Some guys crumble beneath it. Some people 
They crumble sometimes and succeed others. That's actually kind of most people, yeah. but there are outliers. There are people who just always come through or the vast majority of time come through in moments that matter. And there are people that go the other way, that crumble and they shrink. And that is a real thing. And sometimes we get so bogged down and, well, it's a small sample size. Okay, well, if it's five out of five and he chokes every time, can I call him a choker? And I'm not calling this Jays team that, but I'm just saying that the pressure is a real thing. And people are sometimes way too quick to push it aside. They're way too quick to give it the other side of things as well. But you have to talk about it like it's a real thing because how can you not? Yep. Uh, so this Blue Jays team as a whole can change its entire narrative with a postseason run. There's a lot of individual players that can do that too. Like Vlad goes ham, hits a bunch of home runs in this series. Against Forget the a twins. bunch. Hit, hit two. Yeah, or I mean, like, Blue Jays win one nothing tomorrow, and it's on the strength of a solo home run by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the eighth inning. Good God. Yeah, guess what we're talking about. Not the underwhelming <laughs> offensive season that he's had. It's, hey, this guy was waiting for the playoffs. And he you think be that like, anybody will give the hitting coach credit for that, though? It's always his fault. You think they'll be like, way to go. <laughs> Probably not. No, I don't think so. And guess what? They shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. When we come back. More Blue Jays as we get you set for the start of the postseason tomorrow in Minnesota. We'll talk to Joe Siddle of Blue Jays Central's The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Well, six months, 162 games, and it might come down to the next two or three in Minnesota for the Toronto Blue Jays after an 89-victory regular season wild card round against, and I know it was always very much on the table, against the Minnesota Twins team that I, I really didn't think the Blue Jays were going to face. Thought they would take care of business uh, during that homestand in which they only won two of the six games. It was enough, though. As they are into the postseason, the Mariners on the outside looking in. All right, this insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider, the great Joe Siddle of Blue Jay Central. Happy postseason, Joe. Uh, that sounds nice. Good morning, guys. Yeah, it, it, it sounds nice. Um, the, uh, the, the opposite would have sounded uh, not so nice for the Blue Jays, and there was a stretch there, certainly after the four games against the Rangers where you thought it was a distinct possibility. Um, I saw you on the, on the broadcast yesterday talking about how you think this matchup actually suits the Blue Jays. Uh, maybe you can go a little further in depth as to why you think Twins are a better matchup for the Jays than the Rays. It's easy, Ben. Just don't go down to the trop and have to play the race. Yeah. That's it. That's my analysis. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I, I just, as banged up as the Rays are, as, as good as it seems like the Blue Jays match up with the Rays right now, I, I wouldn't put my hand up and sign up for that one. I just don't like it. There are so many weapons in that lineup. There are so many weapons in that pitching staff. Again, despite all the injuries, they're still so dangerous. I'd rather, I like the Twins matchup because it's a team that they rely on the long ball. They, they got a lot of power in their lineup, but they've also got a lot of swing and miss. And uh, as we all know, the Blue Jays got a lot of pretty good pitching from the rotation to the bullpen. Um, I'll take that matchup. And I, I, you know, you say good pitching beats good hitting. And we, that's a saying. We, I know it's not true all of the time, but I will take it with a team that's a little bit, I don't call the Twins lineup one-dimensional, but they're kind of relying on the long ball, right? And I think good pitching can take advantage of that as opposed to a more balanced lineup 
like the Rays that do a lot of things really well. Uh, yeah, they might you might get some more chase from them and not as much contact, but they're they just still still seem more dangerous in so many ways. And then pitching, I, I you know Tyler Glass now imploded last week against the Blue Jays, but I I see him as that high velo guy that's with that big old curveball that that's scary for this lineup. And then we know the we saw it the other day when they lined up the relievers that they like to use and they they're tough whereas the twins i mean two good starting pitchers in lopez and sunny gray i get it lopez you will deal with a little velo and gray is different he's more of that kind of sinker cutter slider guy that's going to maneuver the zone very very good obviously but uh, they do have a bunch of power arms in the bullpen but i like the ability if this blue jays lineup can do something special this october because they're going to have to as i keep saying this team will go as far as this lineup takes them, I think. they got to get to the starters because when you win that five-inning game, that's postseason baseball in a nutshell. And then John Schneider and Pete Walker get to deploy their relievers as they please, in the order they please, the matchups they want. You get to be the aggressor and put your foot on the pedal when you have that lead. So it's going to be a matter of who gets to the starters, and I like the Blue Jays' lineup chances better against the twin starters. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly the thing that that is most up in the air about this Blue Jays team, right? I mean, you have a pretty good expectation of what you'll get from the pen. The starters have been really reliable. It's just the lineup that's been the question mark this year. I do want to stick with the starting pitching for, for a second, though, Joe. And, you know, you see Kevin Gosman. He has been lights out this year, but he has struggled a bit against this Twins team. And, you know, I go back to the last time he faced them, and if I'm remembering correctly, it was just a team that would did a really good job of avoiding the split or not chasing it a ton. Now, that's easier said than done I know but how do you think Gosman and the Jays will maybe alter their plan a little bit he is far from a one-dimensional pitcher in himself it's not to say his splitters is only weapon but it is his biggest one for a team that is showing an ability to stay away from it or or spit on that pitch how do you think Gosman and the Jays will potentially change the way uh, he attacks the twins tomorrow yeah Brett this is going to be the ultimate chess game right and this goes back I remember working a game in the booth last year and the twins were really on him and it was it started to look funny to me it's like they're doing too well that's when I suggested on there that maybe they got something on him now this year we've seen about I'm going to do a little bit more work today regarding his starts against them this year to see exactly how they handled him but Kevin's a pretty smart guy, and he will adapt. We've seen him do it. We've seen him go to the fastball down in the zone more, and that's the, the big difference. Now, you, I think the key is you, you can't go all in on one, on one avenue, right? You can't just throw the fastballs up, splits down, because good teams can get on it. So if a team like the Twins gets on that, we've seen Kevin make adjustments where he'll use the fastball down, and he's got such good ride on his fastball at the bottom of the zone, it really just carries the zone and doesn't kind of go down and, and miss that bottom of the zone very much. So hitters will have to honor it. If they're adapting to that, then he might have to adapt again, and that's why that's probably going to be the most intriguing thing to keep an eye on is how Gosman pitches to these Twins hitters. And more importantly, I think it's going to be dictated by how the Twins look against his pitches, what they're doing, because oftentimes like. You don't necessarily need a, need a radar gun. You watch hitters' swings. You watch hitters' approaches, and you can it really gives you a lot of information, and especially that first time through the lineup. Now, the problem with that is this isn't like experimenting here because you could be down 4 nothing that first time through the lineup. So they'll have to have the game plan in place 
but you have to be ready to adapt and adjust on the fly. And I think that the intriguing thing will be to see exactly that, how these Twins hitters are approaching Gus. Yeah, so he has one pretty good start against the Twins this season and one not-so-great start. But, yeah, both of them, he was kind of all over the place as far as walks are concerned. Five walks in the five and a third uh, in his first start in Minnesota, in fact, um, and giving up just the one earned run, eight strikeouts. And then the return engagement at Rogers Center, he gave up six earned runs on seven hits, but also the the four walks thing. And for his career, he's a, a an ERA around the six-and-a-half region against the Twins, which is his second-highest ERA against any uh, team in Major League Baseball. So whether they actually have something on him, Joe, or or not, I, I wonder how that can play mentally on a guy like Kevin Gosman, who has been around the block. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this continues to happen. Like, even if there's actually nothing happening there and the, the Twins have just gotten lucky and guessed right so routinely, <laughs> like, is there a mental element of, of him looking at that uniform and, and, and having some negative memories? Well, sure there is, but you just said it. This is a guy that's been around for a while, and I think we all know Kevin's personality now. He uh, he just kind of rock rock and rolls with with the punches. And uh, again, you're you're not putting up the numbers that he continues to put up without being able to adjust on the fly. He's done it. He knows he's had to do it. And I think he's got those two weapons that he can manipulate. We've seen the we've seen the splitter do different things at times. You know, mostly it's got that kind of arm side run down away from those lefties that we'll see a lot. Other times, not so much away, but just down or whatever the case may be. But he can also, at times, try to get that thing to carry the zone a little bit, to stay at the bottom of the zone. Ultimately, he's trying to get you to swing at the one below the zone. But he can do a lot of different things, too. So this is just uh, sometimes it's best versus best, and that's probably the, the, the most fun watching a game like this with a guy like Gosman on the man. And, of course, for Blue Jays fans, you're hoping that – he adapts and adjusts in the right manner, but it'll be a, it'll be a good challenge. But uh, the part I still like about it is that if he can if he can find that upper hand and whatever that upper hand may be, it might be elevating the fastball more. It might be doing both, and I think that's probably going to be the answer. You just can't be one way; you have to use both. But it's so dangerous because this lineup can run into some. They don't have you know they don't have that thirty five home run guy, but they got a ton of guys that have some power, and that should be intriguing to watch. Yeah, it's almost it's almost scarier that way, right? I mean, when it's the one thirty-five <laughs> homer guy in the middle of the lineup, you got to be really yep. careful with him, and then you can uh, exhale. But uh, the way the Twins do it, uh, a little a little different there, you know. Uh, not really a question, just a comment. One thing I was I was um, curious about, just with all the talk about Gosman splitter and the Twins having success against it, I went and looked at uh, Swanson's numbers this year, and he has been absolutely lights out. So I was a little curious if if maybe. How tomorrow went would tell us about Swanson's usage in the series, but he's been pretty good against them uh, in a pretty limited sample size. In terms of the pen, you know, we talked about it with the decisions Schneider is going to have to make here last time around. I mean, look, any any game a baseball team loses, you're going to be able to go and find a couple of situations where you can second guess the manager by just playing the result. But, you know, there were some questionable decisions made last time around. How much do you think he has kind of grown in that regard, just having a full year under his belt? And how much do you think a manager will have a say in, in the postseason in general? Well, I think he's going to have a lot of say because the more I keep talking to John Schneider and talking to people around the team, I mean, they had, they are prepared. And then some, of course, with all of the information, but John's been adamant about the fact that there are times when he feels that something can, and I'm guessing one of those decisions would be using Romano in the eighth the other day mm-hmm. and using Hicks as your coach like that. I don't know that as a fact, but I believe that's a coaching staff or a, you know, Don Madley, Pete Walker, John, talking together and saying, let's, let's do this. I am, I kind of, 
snicker sometimes at all of the criticism because I can guarantee you guys, if, if either one of you or me were the manager of a Major League Baseball team, all the moves you make can be scrutinized. This is a fascinating game in that regard, and most of it is regarding that. Um, I, I, they've got all of the matchups they want, and I think a lot of times when we see moves now, obviously in the postseason it's going to be different because it's all hands on deck and it's high, everything's high leverage, but throughout the course of the season, man, there is so much going on with individuals, and we don't necessarily know if this guy's available. We don't know that – He can go one inning, but he can't go back out there for whatever the reasons may be. But there are so many logistical things that go on throughout the course of the season that their hands are a little bit tied. I feel like the more I see things like questions maybe that I might have when I ask them the next day, Mm. I'll be honest with you, nine times out of ten, it's like a pretty good answer and a reason why they did something the day before because we don't have the luxury to be down there postgame. But – there, I'm I'm probably less so in that regard. Now, if you don't think he's still thinking about taking Gavin Gosman out of that game last year against Seattle, you, you got nothing coming. Like that stuff, I think would change this year, and that's maybe where you grow as a manager. Maybe that's where you don't lean on all the quote matchups and exactly getting this guy into the game because this is his slot. I think a year ago helped a ton and it's going to help John Schneider grow as a manager. And I think this year, despite the matchup that might be in front of him, he's also going to know what his guy's doing out there and what the guy's name is. And especially when it's Kevin Gosman, I think he'll get that extra rope this year. Yeah. It's just like not a one size fits all approach is, is the the way I, I feel like it's gone in major league baseball that you have the game plan and you, you play it out no matter what your eyeballs are telling you and you shouldn't go, too much one side or the other, but it does feel like, yeah, managers uh, tend to do the Kevin Cash thing and and play it by the numbers and and probably what John Schneider was doing a season ago. You mentioned it Saturday. Well, it was kind of eye-opening in a very important baseball game that we thought may have decided the, the Blue Jays in the postseason or not. Turns out Mariners lost that night anyway, so it was irrelevant, but that we saw Jordan Romano pitch in a tie game, granted, in the eighth and Jordan Hicks in the ninth and then again in the 10th and almost get out of the, the mess of his own making walking rhyme El Tapia. Uh, but a couple of uh, two out base hits end up uh, winning the game for the Rays. Like, do you think Joe, like put put on your, listen, your prognosticator's prognosticators hat uh, is an unfair position to put you in, especially before we've actually heard from John Schneider before this series. And he will have a media availability in, in which I'm sure he's going to be asked this question, safe situation tomorrow. Who's getting the ball? I said it post-game, and I'll say it again. I think Jordan Romano's getting the ball for a save in game one if, if it comes to that. I think that move that they made on Saturday was awesome. I love the fact that they went to that extreme to, to do that to your closer who's been scuffling a little bit. You give him the inning before, and that, that was a message right there, right? I mean, we saw it on the TV screens. We saw Romano warming up, and that, to me, was like, whoa, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So that was that, quote, I don't want to call it the demotion for the day, but that was a changing of the guard right there. But how about Jordan coming in and firing some pretty good fastballs? Just looked pretty darn good. Did give up the double, but looked pretty darn good. Sometimes you just need that one to get the rails, get the wheels back on the track, you know? And I feel in Ramon, when Hicks came in, he, he gave it up in the second inning in fairness, right? And yeah. we know that I don't think that's the Blue Jays' first choice to bring him back out for a second inning, despite the fact that I know he did that. When he came in the trade, he can give you more than three outs and all, but I, I got the feeling that they don't want to do that if they don't have to. So therefore going with Romano, they had Hicks to go the extra if he needed, but 
I um, I feel that that was almost a little bit of an audition to and Jordan showed them that I'm back. Uh, does one one um, one appearance do that? Probably not. But I, I think I saw enough that I would be saying he's my guy to shut down a game mm. in game one if it happens. Uh, the other curious decisions that I'll be watching will be, well, one, who starts at second base, but I think it's it's pretty much a no-brainer the way Kevin Biggio has played the second half of the season, that, that he's going to yeah. start at second base and Whit Merrifield's going to be about off the bench. But to that point, the the Twins, I imagine, are going to have two lefties in the bullpen, including a guy with a great name, Cody Funderburk, uh, <laughs> alongside Caleb Thielbar. So they're going to play matchups late in games, I imagine, Joe, whether that's against Kevin Biggio, whether that's against Kevin Kiermaier, whether that's against Dalton Barshow or, or Brandon Belt, as the Blue Jays, I think, are going to roll out four lefties, um, at least in game one of this series. Who's your righty bat off the bench? I mean, David Schneider was going through that tough spell, 0 for 30, two doubles yesterday. I know it's a, it's a meaningless game, but like, we we are talking about small samples and whoever's going hot, like maybe that actually in, indicates something to you that you'd be more willing to use them. Like who is the guy in a key spot tomorrow against a lefty reliever that you're pinch hitting with? Uh, yeah, I still think it's, it's Snyder just because of the danger, the threat that he presents. Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a struggle for him. It was nice to get back at it a little bit yesterday for him, but I still think, with the threat that he presents, he's my guy. Now, the other thing is you have to be very careful because you don't want to do it too early either. And I think if it's a key situation, it could be the fifth, could be the sixth, could be the seventh. You have to be careful because if that lineup's coming back around, you don't want to put a Merrifield in there. And then you get Duran later on, maybe trying to close the game out because Kevin's held him held his own very well, of course, against lefties. And I think Kiermaier can do the same. Like those are the guys of our show depends on the score, right? If it's yeah. tied, you want to keep his defense in there. So those are a lot of other things that you're considering, not just the fact that they're bringing in a lefty. So I think it would take a lot to, for me to pinch hit for one of those guys. And what's a lot, a lot's probably being down in the seventh, eighth inning and you have to give your best chance. Cause the other thing is you're pinch hitting a Merrifield or you're pinch hitting a Schneider or those types of guys. I mean, yes, Schneider's a threat, but at the same time, there's a lot of swing and miss going on there too, right? So you've got to consider all the other options. And is it that much of an upgrade to take one of those guys out of the game? Because you certainly, ideally, against Duran later, Pagan, whoever is in for the Twins, you want your belts and Biggios and those guys. So you, I, I think they'll be very cautious in pinch hitting. But I do think Schneider is that bad because of the threat he presents. The, the other thing that's going to be interesting is how Cam Eden is deployed, who I, again, I'm assuming is going to be on the roster. I don't think he would have been called up if he's not going to be there. And that's that's a, a smart use of, of a roster spot, especially in a wild card round where you still get a full roster and you can change it the next series and you're only playing a maximum of three games. Obviously, you're, you're going to lean uh, more on the, the bench players than you are on relief arms, I think. Uh, we almost got to see him attempt his first stolen base yesterday, Joe. I would have loved to have seen it. How much can we project the, the minor league success at stealing base to the major league level? Like, I know speed is speed, but, like, base stealing yeah. is more than just speed, Joe. Like, how confident are you that when we see Cam Eden maybe attempt his first major league stolen base, that he's going to be as successful as he was in the minor leagues? Yeah, I think it's a different world up here, as, as I think everyone knows. I haven't watched a whole lot of AAA baseball over the last number of years, but... I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the catchers don't throw as well. Pitchers don't necessarily hold runners on as well, but there are a lot of pitchers in the big leagues that don't hold runners on as well either. And that's, that's the plus. And I think the work that teams do now with all of the resources that they have, they're going to have any 
type of tell, any type of tendency that that pitcher has that will help him. And my understanding is that's where he really excelled in understanding those things and using them to his as a strength to get a good jump, for example, not just get that good lead and use his speed. So, yes, but a different ball game up here for sure. And uh, But that's that's what he brings, right? And I've always said, we've seen it over the years, where if you're going to have one skill, that, that can win a playoff baseball game. Mm-hmm. So, But it's not going to be easy. That's why I was, I was really hoping going into this week at home, he'd have a couple of opportunities yeah. to do that, just to break the ice, just to get that feel, just to break the nerves, because even with all of the information he has and his speed and the pitcher's delivery and the catcher's release, there's still a lot going on there. And I'm sure his legs will be shaking as he's leading yeah. off first base. So it's, yeah, that's, it's not going to be easy. And in answer to your question, it's going to be a, another world up here, but let's hopefully, he does, hopefully he does it successfully. Well, that's why I was kind of curious to see mm. him even in the starting lineup yesterday, because hey, he's, he's not exactly Ty Cobb with the batting average and you've wanted to see him on base. And then he ends up with the base hit and doesn't try to steal early in that plate appearance. Um, so, yeah, that, that seemed like the moment, but uh, maybe it'll come in a crucial moment. Maybe we'll be talking about his Dave Roberts moment for, for the Blue Jays this postseason. Uh, who knows? Fingers crossed. We'll, we'll see starting tomorrow. Joe, uh, enjoy the series. Thanks for doing this. Okay, guys, have a great day. Let's enjoy it. Postseason. Absolutely. That's why we lift all those weights all season long. Joe Siddle, uh, Blue Jay Central. This Insider was brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. I heard Cam Eden better guy than Ty Cobb, though. Yeah, it's a not as good, bar. Not it's as good bar. with the bat, but yeah, <laughs> better guy. Uh, Just person. I. You know what? Like, careful what you say about people. You don't know people. Mm. I'm going to say it. Better guy than Ty Cobb. <laughs> the, the Cobb estate is going to, they're going to be after you. Is that where corn on? The- no. Okay. <laughs> totally different thing. No. You know what? I just, I, Hey, I'm not knowing the history of the game. There's a picture of me mm-hmm. uh, with the statue of Ty Cobb. When mm-hmm. I went to Comerica, like, Oh, this is cool. And it's like, yeah. maybe not that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> will you, will you go? Those statues are very cool. That are Comerica. very cool. Will you go out on a limb with me that Cam Eden? Pr- I think, I think probably that's, that's pretty safe to okay. say. And I will say that Cam Eden in the limited sample that I have, <laughs> seen of him and then being down at the ballpark on the field on Saturday is acting reacting the way I would think I would mm, if I got an opportunity to, at the major wait, league level act, should do I love it yeah, I no. oh I <laughs> no, hate no, no, that no, 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 no. <laughs> no I I want somebody to be to at least show that they they're excited about the moment and and that it feels like a dream fulfilled being at the major league level for yeah. a guy that no guarantee, and who knows how the career pans out. Joe's right to talk about uh, being a valuable skill. For sure. And there's a defensive quality to Cam Eden that mm-hmm. we haven't seen either and we're unlikely to see considering the defense. Yeah, Kevin Kiermaier, pretty good. Although you you never know, like if he's pinch running for like a George Springer, could could we yeah. see him in, in the outfield? I, I suppose the possibility exists, but this guy I think understands how special it is that he ended up in this organization, had this type of season, stealing bases is up in a postseason series. Again, we don't know the the finality of the roster decisions, mm-hmm. but it would be I, I, insane to well, imagine that they called him up and he's not on the postseason roster. We probably won't have them tomorrow either. Uh, apparently 10 a.m. is the deadline, and these things don't typically come out much before mm-hmm. uh, the deadline, so I don't know that we'll have Bunch them even before the game. Jerks. Yeah. yeah.
Why don't they think about us? And yeah. not that I don't love you, Ben. I just don't know that I would have you having the exact demeanor I would want to go st- swipe a bag in the bottom of nine. Or well, I guess not bottom, top of nine. Yeah, no, it's that's fair. <laughs> I, you got a lot of great traits, okay, but So maybe not everything. Good hair, good beard, uh, yeah. but that one? Maybe mm. not in the game. And maybe maybe he's different in the game than he is... You know, on the periphery of the game, in media availabilities, in the dugout. Yeah, And okay. I'd, I'd like to think... You I mean, in the game, he got a base hit. So, like, right right there, like, there's a point of differentiation between think he was able, and Cam Eden. Do you think he was able to trick himself into, like, no, everyone's trying today, totally. You think he was able to trick himself <laughs> into that? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, I think... It's I the think, last day of the regular season. A lot of packing it in is all I'm saying. Not from him, obviously. I, I would say... That if he's getting in a bat in the postseason, something's gone terribly, terribly wrong. And I, I don't know. I've never been a fast guy. I've never been a base stealer. But I think like just running is like it's, you're less likely to have a like nervous moment just running, right? Than I, you are swinging a bat. I don't know. People made false starts in the hundred meters oh, before. No. I, hey, look! Don't ask oh me a God. question you don't want an honest oh, answer. All right. All right. Running is super that. easy. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> Go Jays. Right. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Four-hour edition of the Fan Morning Show as we get you set for game one. Blue Jays and Minnesota Twins. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.